Welcome to A Greater Dayton, powered by the Dayton Business Journal. Also sponsored by SOCHI, Southwestern Ohio's Council for Higher Education, and Park and Go, airport parking at its finest. Go door to door before you soar. Well, after a brief recording hiatus caused by the pandemic, we are back. I am so excited to be with you and kind of resume our fascinating conversations with our unsung hometown heroes who inspire, inform, and entertain. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, for episode number 45 of A Greater Date. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about one of the most positive projects I've seen in many years downtown, one of the greatest comebacks of our time, really, the awakening of a sleeping giant. Iconic and treasured downtown venue yeah, you know what I'm talking about, the beautiful Dayton Arcade. The Dayton Arcade is more than a nine-building cluster in the Gym City's urban core. You know, for many years, it was the city's heartbeat, the heartbeat of downtown Dayton, an emotional depository, if you will, holding scores of treasured memories for so many longtime Daytonians. My wife, Cynthia, and I had our first date at the Dayton Arcade back in the early 80s mind what great memories and after 30 years of a long nap well this beautiful giant has awakened john bush senior reporter for the dayton business journal described it as the largest and most complex project ever attempted in downtown dayton i'd have to concur and today two people who are in charge of this certain catalytic redevelopment project have joined me with an update on this awakening giant and we are pleased to have Dave Williams, Senior Director of Real Estate Development for Cross Street Partners, which has been tapped to lead the redevelopment along with Model Group and McCormick Baron Salazar, handling the 110 housing units, both market rate as well as low housing opportunities. And also joining us, tasked with humanizing the building's touch points, Beaver Creek, born and raised Megan Dunn-Peters. Dayton Arcade Community Engagement Manager, and I'm told Lead Vibster. <laughs> Welcome to a greater Dayton. And Dave, I might add, as seen on TV, you did a great job on Think TV's Waking the Giant. Yeah, they, they've been a great partner. Uh, just having those guys really just take the lead on it and being here when we need them, and it's been fun. Dave has been an Oakwood resident since, well, he was in fifth grade and has followed the progress of this beautiful building downtown for many years and wondered if he would ever see this dormant giant awaken. And as a longtime Daytonian, he wanted to ask Dave if he had any fond memories of the old Dayton arcade. I did. It was in the 80s, though. Uh, we were not really oriented to it prior to that. So the 80s is when it was a mall, right? I actually used to work for Danis, and we had our office on the other side of the river. And we used to walk down and come to the food court at lunchtime, and then we were building the building uh, where uh, Premier is now. Uh, Danis was building that. So those are the times I got down here. Then I was, I've been very active in a lot of the preservation efforts throughout the city, and we spent a lot of effort trying to convince everybody way back when, in the early 90s, when this had just closed, that we need to figure out how to bring it back online. It's, it's always about timing, right? It's, it's, the city finally kind of got the momentum of uh, no longer do we have to sell urban. Urban started to sell itself, right? Housing became the initial driver. And, and then everybody started to look at, okay, we're, now we've got some great momentum on the east side of downtown over in the Webster Station area. How do we start to really reinvigorate Main Street? And it, it really started about when we started to look at sort of south of 3rd Street, 
and try to understand what was going on there. So if you look at Third Street, it's kind of like the demark between North and South for downtown Dayton. And it's been pretty quiet down here for a long time. You have a lot of vacant buildings. The city was trying to figure out what do we do with these vacant buildings. Uh, you know, and, and part of it was their approach was, you know, it's not our building, it's not our problem. But I said, you know, that's not really true because your streets may be in good shape, but if your buildings are empty and falling apart, it's not very marketable. So that was sort of the aha conversations we started to have about, you know what, yeah, it is sort of our challenge. And how do we start to turn this around and, and really make it something special? And so that sort of pushed us to a bigger idea and a bigger plan. And ironically, the arcade happened to be in that plan and ended up being one of the first projects that launched, which sort of caught me off guard. I wouldn't have thought that the arcade would have been the first one to launch, but we're glad it did. Yeah, because it's, it's truly catalytic and it really starts to set a good tone down here. And Megan, you really didn't have any experience with the arcade at all, did you? No, I was born in the early 90s. My parents brought me to the arcade the holidays celebration, I think, in 1993. So I was here as a baby, but as a millennial, I had never stepped foot inside until I started working for Cross Street Partners. Uh, millennials of Dayton aren't as jaded as some of the people who have watched the arcade go through this cycle of you know hope and then you know the hopes were dashed and then a fresh set of hope came in so i think that millennials kind of see the building and what it can become versus the building's past megan's been super helpful it's been great having her on board and really um, allowed us to do a lot more here as the dayton team for cross street partners so um, she I, she keeps giving more and more the more she does the more she gets but there have been a lot of what uh, Dave calls pump fakes, like Gunther Berg and his initial introduction into this building. Well, yeah, I think uh, he didn't, um, yeah, there was several of them, and I'm not aware of all of them, but I know there were several, right, where people tried to bring it together, got everybody excited, and just couldn't do it. Gunther got, bought this building initially off eBay for the bricks, right? And he came here and he saw us, he goes, and Gunther's from Europe, right? He's, he's, he's German and he's from mm -hmm. Germany. And he saw the beauty and the, really the European influence in this architecture. He goes, I can't tear this thing down. Mm -hmm. But yet he still didn't have the knowledge to be able to pull this together. And I think over time, um, but ironically, Gunther's connections and who he worked for got this project sort of moving forward and connected to the right people. So how were the bones of this building that have been you know, sat dormant for 30 years? I mean, right. how, how was it? Well, uh, just like when you have to repair a leg with some steel and some screws, we had to repair some of the bones with some steel and some screws. Um, it, in general, pretty good. But it's a unique construction that took us a little while to understand. And that was probably the biggest challenge that we had. We, We've had eight structural engineers on this project. Yeah. All of them sort of with different specialties to be able to analyze because we didn't have any original drawings. So we had to back into these buildings. We had to look Why at them from- we have original drawings? Mm, just because they're all you know 100 plus years old. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. Even, even at City Hall, sometimes it's trying to hard, kind of hard to find permits of drawings that are more current. Um, so that's what we had to do. We had to back into it. We had to get the engineers to basically do the mathematics. And sometimes the mathematics just didn't work. 
So then we had to bring in other guys that were good at modeling composites and really looking at wind loads and how buildings would react to wind loads and why does this building, the way it's built doesn't look like it should be standing in as good a shape as it is, why does it work? So we had to do all those things. It's almost like reverse engineering. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So how did you and Megan connect? Uh, <laughs> her mom went to a Christmas tour, went back and when was that? Oh gosh. 2017. 2017. And said, oh, my daughter wants to move downtown. Do you know of a place? And I think I probably had that place. I was turning it over right then. In St. Anne's. Yeah. So um, I connected her. And then she became a tenant of mine over in St. Anne's Hill. And then you were working at DEC at the time. And then she just was like, you know, I need a little change of venue. And so I said, oh, you know what? I need some help. So there you go. So now the self-proclaimed arcade girl has a real challenge on her hands. Of course, we know the importance of the history of this grand building, but now how are we going to make it relevant for future generations? Social media has really made the building, the complex more accessible for people and they can really visualize what we're doing here. And we're focusing on the people who are working in the space and the, the human aspect of the buildings because everyone thinks of the arcade as this beautiful architectural uh, complex but there is a lot more to the building than just what you see on the outside yeah. right it's about the people i mean if you th people don't come down here just to look at a building all day long right you can do that in about 10 seconds i wanted to ask megan you know has this challenge not only to share the excitement of phase one completion but also to remind people that there is another two to three years before this building's facelift is completed sure i call it megan's job security uh, so i'll be here for a while uh, i think my husband can probably never hear the words arcade again and he'll be really happy but um in all seriousness there's just so much that we're going to be able to do in the next uh, phase and this current phase there's just gonna be a lot for people to explore we're really excited to show that off you, you were saying something is uh, more like an opening splash will be more like a little trickle as you open correct yeah it'll, it'll be kind of like a start as a trickle and become more of a deluge as right. we uh, bring more online the South Arcade is phase one 96 million dollar price tag anchored by hub powered by PNC, or was formerly known as the Innovation Hub. It's a partnership between UD and the Entrepreneur Center and Vince Lewis, and Vince can't wait to work with you. It's gonna be featuring academic programs focusing on small business startups. You know, our community is very fortunate to have the timely and unwavering support of two great visionaries in Sinclair President Steve Johnson and UD President Eric Spina. A partnership that has really benefited this project wouldn't have happened without it. Obviously they'll be the best one to give you it's a really good in-depth on that but in general um, it's really about integrating you know education with new businesses allowing people to sort of cross-connect or sometimes we say collisions of unlike disciplines together so that you kind of come up with unique opportunities or unique business ideas. It's really about providing um, the flexibility for businesses to grow and contract quickly. Uh, and that's really another aspect of it that we don't really have um, in downtown. And, and, and it's in a cool, you know, collaborative space too. Space of, you know, you've got these cool buildings, but you've made them look pretty 2020. And, and that's always the fun part of how do you dovetail those two together in the same way that we're thinking about business. How do you dovetail new ideas with 
with sort of this cross connect between education and and business. And and it's also retaining talent in Dayton. So I'm a UD grad, class of um, 2014. So I actually have a bachelor's degree in education. They did a great job. I really enjoyed my time there. But a lot of my friends were from, you know, Chicago, they're from Pittsburgh, they're from larger cities, and then when they graduate, they leave. So the talent that you develop in Dayton at the university disperses. So providing the hub here gives students a taste of how cool Dayton really is and just ends up backfilling a lot of that the talent needs in the city. Right. Huge important part there. That is probably one of the bigger drivers to why we're doing what we're doing. It's also just about, you know, really connecting downtown too. How do we, you know, the whole, um, the flyer, the connector, the kind of circulator that kind of connects everybody. It's how do we continue to make this downtown more and more fun to, to and self-programming to where people come down here because mm-hmm. of all the things that are going on and it's easy to get around and you take that conversation about parking off the table. Um, but having the university be able to branch out and get their students acclimated more with Dayton, Ohio, we hope will turn into some great new residents in our area. Because I, I know that when I went to UD, we never left campus. We stayed on campus. We did everything we needed to. And I know the push now is saying, you know, we're the university for Dayton, not just of Dayton. So how do we really integrate the students that come from everywhere, I mean all over the world really, and how do we integrate right. them into the downtown core? The second phase, or the uh, North Arcade, will include a shared commercial kitchen, a marketplace, retail, restaurants, micro lofts, hospitality, user space. So there you're trying to bring those students into the arcade and to keep them here along with uh, some of the tenants I'm assuming? Yeah, so the North Arcade is really more of that food and beverage marketplace that people remember. So that's phase two. Yeah, it's because it's got all the great little spaces that you walk down that great arcade corridor and you've got that glass atrium and you've got all the little vendors. And, and that's really, you know, what arcades were and are, right, um, in, in today's kind of reuse plan. It's, it's important because we don't have any kind of really retail whatever you want to call it, center in downtown at all. Where do you go at lunch? You maybe go to a restaurant on that corner, but there isn't another one for three more corners down to the, to the right or to the left, and, and being able to have this hub where you can walk through. Not only is it a great place to put retail, but it also connects 3rd Street to 4th Street, connects Courthouse Square to the Levitt, you know, really kind of reinvigorates Main Street all the way up, at, you know, whether we're to the Schuster, because if you look right out the 3rd Street doors, you're looking across Courthouse Square and you can see the Schuster right there. So how do we connect all of these pieces or, or elements of downtown that are already vibrant but not really benefiting from each other? And once we start to create that synergistic place to be able to walk down, enjoy, have as you know more than what I call one-dimensional experience so that we do get people that maybe actually consider coming to Dayton for a weekend, doing a show, having a great dinner, going to the market, doing those type of things. I don't think that's on a whole lot of people's go-to ideas as far as uh, a weekend away, but we'd like to be able to move that that direction. Making it a destination. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and the North Arcade is really gonna be that small business, really cool, I call it the vibe, like the local food and beverage retail, the small business owner that has a really cool product that's unique to Dayton, because Dayton's are, Daytonians are really proud of the small local businesses that we prop up and support.
And with other retail mall models beginning to fade in popularity, is the timing of the rebirth of the Dayton Arcade and downtown Dayton perfect? Absolutely. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the mall world. We really don't know because there sure is a lot of millions of square feet of it. Um, but still, even though the retail dynamic has changed just so much, I mean, even in the last 12 months, with the fact that you know Amazon is at everybody's front door these days, and what, what does that do to you know, the, the typical retail buy? But people still want to get out, and they still want to walk the streets, and they still want to pop into places here and there. And, and that's what the arcade will provide for the downtown core, for sure. Megan, what's your thoughts on that? I, I'm sure you do some shopping from time to time. Occasionally, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think millennials, I'm speaking from the millennial perspective, we look for more of trendy things, cool things, a good Instagrammable moment. You want the wall that you could take your selfie with and and the small business that you know they, who they are. Uh, you'd rather buy from someone that you recognize and the money stays in your community. I think that that's really important to um, my generation and also being you know in the know, going to cool things. I think our generation is kind of relying on the experience of the generation before us to help us create the date in that we want to see because that we live here and we don't want to have to go to bigger cities for that experience. So having that in our hometown will just make it so much more appealing because uh, Dayton is a great place to live. Oh, and, and to work and to play. And let's talk about some of the retail that's coming into the space now, crafted and cured. They're going to be opening, right? There's also yes. Cafe Noir. Or Cafe Noir, yes. Cafe Noir is going to be a little coffee shop tied into a little gallery. Um, again, to provide everybody with that great cup of joe or maybe even a little glass of wine or beer at the end of the day. So it's also going to provide a grab-and-go element to the arcade so that people that are here can grab something to eat. You know, the other thing right across the street from us is the Ribold Building, which has got the county's health department and all the people there that really, at this part of downtown, mm -hmm. there's nowhere else to go unless you're walking across over to Fifth Street. So um, we're, we're, we're pretty excited to be able to bring this online and also just make sure we have some consistent support for our tenants. Megan, what are you looking forward to? The Contemporary Dayton Gallery, formerly DVAC, is coming in, and uh, Dayton Arcades Cafe, some of the building that you're talking about there? Yeah, so the Dayton Arcade, the cafe is Cafe Noir. So that'll be yeah. the uh, the coffee, coffee wine bar. I'm excited for two of my favorite things. Uh, the Contemporary is gonna be great. They'll really support local artists. They have a pretty strong social justice focus this year with their exhibits. I'm excited for that. Um, and of course, Crafted and Cured, I'm ready to spend all my money on their uh, charcuterie. <laughs> um, we're, I mean, they've had a long hiatus, so it's good to have them back. So you basically have offerings for breakfast, lunch, and early dinner there. Yeah, that's, that's, for right now, that's exactly what we're trying to do. And, and ultimately, we'll hopefully have a few more. Because, uh, you know, it's just, we always kind of take the theory of more equals more, so the more excitement if somebody's busy and want to pop to the next restaurant or whatever that be. And then we also have, you know, the corner of Main and 4th, which is Caddy Corner from the Levitt. So our whole goal here is to reactivate the streets at our sidewalk level. A lot of what we've done with our buildings is to make sure that we have reoriented in a pedestrian way and not having office space on the first floor which really kind of deadens the experience on the street. And so here we are, 
finally opening up. You can see how long of a process it takes. Well, and having students here daily, so they'll have classrooms at the arcade, art and design, entrepreneurship, and then some classes um, through the IAC Center where they you know, get together and collaborate cross-disciplinary. It's just going to add to the overall vibe of, of people here. So now it's, you know, young people. It's people that are coming in for a bite to eat. It's people that are coming to work, people coming to live. It's just going to be such a great mix of dynamic um, energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, marketing is about managing expectations, Megan, and the expectations for this beloved building must be sky high. I mean, how are you managing that? Well, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's a lot of pressure to know that, you know, so many Daytonians, everyone really has their arcade story. Uh, I hear it all the time. You know, though people rem reminisce about their memories, their grandparents' memories. Um, and it is a lot of pressure to uh, kind of live up to this space, but I'm really confident that the product that we're putting out and the experience that we'll deliver um, will really kind of meet and match those ex expectations and make it even better because now people are making their new memories with their kids right. um, and just for the next generation to come. How about you, Dave? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you too to make that, that magic happen. Well, um, I, I think as we've had lots of conversations about this because of what everybody remembers. So when you come into the arcade, what it is today, it's very different from what they remember. And we're always trying to figure out, okay, when you come, especially the fact that we're only getting phase one done, right? So where's the shopping? And so we've, we've spent a lot of energy and we continue to talk about the best way to activate space, to roll out this place and to make sure that, um, Everybody understands where we're trying to go, and that that they are on board with it. Because you know, it, it's it's the old guard that that knew the arcade the way it was. The millennials, this is a whole new experience for them. So there's not as much to overcome. So how do we overcome that and and make sure that everybody um, is excited about being here? And capturing that excitement, people have been excited for I don't know, I've as long as I've been working here, almost a year and a half. Uh, people are just so excited about the arcade and the possibilities. So really keeping that excitement until we can welcome the public to our space. You know, we always conclude our time here on a greater date by asking the question, how do we all, or how can we all make it a greater date? I think a lot of it's just kind of believing in your community, right? And, and so often, um, I always, it's always interesting to talk to people and, you know, they're in different parts of the community and they say, well, you know, downtown doesn't matter to me. It's, you know, it's Dayton. I don't live in Dayton. I said, but when you go on vacation, where do you tell them you're from? You don't tell them you're from Oakwood or Kettering or Sorrow because they're going to ask, what's that in relative to, right? So, so everybody needs to understand that being in the region and part of the Miami Valley is, is as important to support downtown Dayton as, as if you are in your own community itself. So, yeah, we're excited um, and, you know, we want to continue to, you know, grow what's happening downtown because ultimately a strong core uh, in your downtown really starts to resonate throughout the community as well as the nation. Megan, ask you the same question. How do we all make it a greater date? I am as Daytonian as they come. I was born at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which makes me a super Daytonian. Um, and I've lived here the majority of my life. And I truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if we're doing well in one section, we're all doing well 
because it only raises the profile of Dayton. It makes this a more desirable place to live and work. Uh, we have some of just great amenities that we can share with the, with the whole community. So we're really excited to make this part of downtown, our little piece of the arcade, um, just contribute to Dayton. Well, Dave Williams, Senior Director of Real Estate Development and Megan Dunn-Peters, Community Engagement Manager for Cross Street Partners. Thank you for your time today and good luck to you. All right, well, appreciate it, Dan. We had a, had a great chat here today. Thanks, Dan. Wow, I am so excited for this giant to fully awaken. Can't wait to see you down at the Dayton Arcade for sure. Well, this has been a Greater Dayton with Dan Edwards. That's me, powered by the Dayton Business Journal. And a tip of the hat and a, a big thank you to Don Baker, publisher and market president at the DBJ. Thank you so much. And also thanks to Airport Park and Go. Economic, convenient airport parking, 1140 West National Road in Vandalia, across from the Dayton International Airport. Parking for as little as $3.99 a day. Friendly, polite valet service, always clean. First-class airport parking at coach prices. They always say, door-to-door -door before you soar. So make those reservations today. I know you're excited to get out and see a little bit of the world after being cooped up. DaytonParking.com. Make those reservations. And also sponsored by Soshi, Southwestern Ohio's Council for Higher Education. Since 1967, Soshi has been connecting students, faculty, and staff from higher education to share information, access professional development opportunities while creating positive graduation outcomes. Use Soshi's robust internship programs as a single point of contact for students, as well as research and staffing needs. That's Soshi, S-O-C-H-E dot org. I'm Dan Edwards. Thanks for listening. Now you go out and make it a greater date.